everyone. It's Matt Anderson, and you're listening to the Proximity Process Podcast. This show, it's an invitation into a growing community. It's a conversation about how systems change actually starts with personal transformation. The change we want to see, it starts with us. So on today's episode, I'm going to do something just a little bit different. I'm going to bring back a past guest for a bit of an update, um, Ryan O'Donnell. So if you haven't listened to Ryan's episode, I'll give you just a little bit of backstory to lead into the conversation that we had. So Ryan is a former foster parent. And Ryan tells the story of why he became a foster parent and about the little boy that was placed with him. And he tells the story of a sort of common twist, which was the father was unknown when this little boy was placed with him. And the father eventually found out that he had a son that he didn't know about. As soon as he found that out, he got involved with the Department of Social Services, actually moved from Virginia down to North Carolina to be closer to his son with the simple intent to be the father to his son. And so Ryan tells the story of how he and Garnell, this little boy's father, started to get to know each other and started to build a relationship. And for Ryan, that relationship changed everything. He realized that his job was not to be a foster parent to this little boy, certainly not to adopt this little boy, but to become a partner to Garnell, to get his son out of foster care and to raise him as his dad. And so this is still a pending court case. We are now three years into Garnell finding out that he has a son, moving to North Carolina, and becoming probably the most consistent person in his son's life. And yet here we are three years later, and they've still not sent this little boy home to his dad. And because this case is carrying on for so long, it is getting the attention of the media. And there have been a series of news stories here in North Carolina um, over the last couple of weeks. These news stories have been picked up nationally as well. And there's a lot of attention on this case. And there was actually a court hearing on December 14th. So Ryan and I are recording the episode you're about to hear on December 15th, the day after the court hearing. And I just wanted to not only bring an update to what's happening with this case, but give you all a chance to hear Ryan's side of the story, his perspective of what's happening to this family, what's happening to Garnell, and you know how he continues to be right at Garnell's side. So we're going to pick up the uh, conversation with Ryan, just sort of setting the stage for what the um, court hearing was about and what was really at stake. So yeah, just start by telling me a little bit about what the court date was about yesterday, what the what was the purpose of yesterday's hearing? It was a permanency planning review hearing. The Department of Social Services were recommending that reunification efforts be ceased and be put up for adoption, which they do all the time for lots of cases. But in this case, as we've talked about, Garnell, the father, uh, was never accused of abuse and neglect and has kind of been put through a gauntlet to prove that he's worthy to be his son's father. Um, So we were really fighting for his right to be a parent and for his son to not be put up for adoption. And maybe just to add a little little detail there with with Garnell. So you said he was not accused of abuse or neglect. So what was DSS's reason for not returning? What was the concern? That's a really interesting piece. You know, they've, they've changed their mind lots of different times, you know. Uh, whenever you go to court, they, they seem to find a new thing to be upset about. 
But for, for most of the past year, what they've been concerned about is, is previous marijuana use and the extent to which, you know, Garnell has been truthful about past marijuana use. Uh, you know, he came from a place where it was legal. He's tested positive. And earlier this year, uh, when those concerns were raised by the judge and the department, he um, entered into a voluntary drug treatment program, presented five negative uh, screens for marijuana. And um, even though that he did this, they still move forward recommending adoption and ceasing reunification efforts. So it's not really clear to me why they thought that was appropriate, uh, because you got a dad here who has given him given them proof that he's done exactly what they were concerned about, you know, and, and address those issues. Yeah, just to, to add one more layer to that, because you know, obviously, you and I have become friends over the last couple of years, and so I've I've gotten to know this case pretty pretty well. I know there's been multiple foster care placements for Garnell's son, and it seems to me that. Um, of all the people in his son's life, Garnell has been the most consistent person. Do you think that's a, f- a fair representation of like all the people that have been in and out of his life? Garnell's been the most consistent for the last, I don't know, almost four years now. Absolutely. Yeah. And what do you think, you know, so just thinking back to, to yesterday's court hearing, what was that stake ultimately for this family? I mean, it was really about whether or not Garnell has the right to raise his son. At the end of the day, that's what it is. As he said, let's use his own words, I want my son to know that he could be the next black president because if he doesn't hit that, he's still going to be someone great. He might not turn out like me. He has a long way to go before he turns out like me and I want to raise a good man. He said, I care about my son after he turns 18. And no one else in that courtroom cares about him after he turns 18. And I want to raise a good man. And that's, he was fighting for his right to raise his son. Yep. It's a, it's a fight for what's right. It's a fight for justice. It's what you just described there too, is a fight for love, the love and the bond that is only within a family and that needs, needs to be honored and respected. And and I wonder too, as you're saying that, you know, Garnell's son was placed with you in foster care for for a period of time. And so just a, a quick sort of reminder of the nature of your relationship with Garnell and like how you've come to to get to know him. You know, our, our relationship started, you know, because we had heard that uh, fraternity was established and the social worker gave me his phone number and encouraged me to reach out. So three years ago, over three years ago now, I called him up and and I was, you know, only real father figure mm-hmm. at the time. Um, he was in a few foster placements prior to, to coming to our home, but he, you know, spent over two and a half years with us. And I got to speak with Garnell as his son's kind of first male role model hmm. and tell him about all of the great things about his son. So we developed this this kind of <laughs> uh, interesting, you know, like brotherly relationship, I guess you, you know yeah. you could say, of like we we just both care for for his son, uh, you know, a tremendous amount, want what's best for his son. And, you know, have been trying to support him in, in whatever way we can. And obviously we talked about that a lot on the last episode, yeah. so I won't go into all of that. But, um, you know, just he needed someone by his side who was going to be rooting for him. Yeah. And that's the role that I felt like I was supposed to play. 
and the role that his son wanted me to play at the end of the day. Yeah. That's like, I'm doing what his son wanted. If you had a, f- a few words to describe Garnell as you've gotten to know him as a man, as a friend, as a, as a father, what words come to mind that you would, you would say about Garnell? You know, Garnell's a fighter. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. this is a guy who, who stepped up. He cares deeply about his son's safety, his well-being. He's a man, I, I think, who's got a lot of integrity, who works incredibly hard. I think people like to paint him a certain way. And he said, I feel villainized. I feel like every time I go to court, I'm a criminal. Mm-hmm. He said, I don't want to be commended for stepping up. But like, isn't that a good thing? Right. Like, I, I didn't know I had a son. I, I stepped up here. I came here voluntarily. I uprooted my life to be here. So I think he's, he's incredibly courageous. And I got to see him at his best yesterday with a, with a crowd of supporters facing a lot of opposition. And, and I think he, he really showed up for his son to just show how much of a loving father he is. And, and I think that can be hard and hard to see and easy to miss. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that's, that's just a dad who loves his son yeah. and would do anything for him. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about yesterday and what happened yesterday. And, but maybe before we get into that, like a little context here, right? A lot of articles have been coming out a lot of media coverage, advocacy organizations showing up. I mean, I I pay attention to what's happening on social media across the child welfare um, kind of world. This case is, I mean, I'm seeing people in New Jersey, New York, California. I mean, it's it's getting attention. And I'm just curious what, you know, what you would say about that or, you know, why? You know, why is this case getting the attention that it's getting? I, I think you know I'll, I'll split that into two things. So I think a lot of people are just appalled to hear that the state has the ability and the system is is has the capability and motivation where they would actually want a child adopted who has a perfectly willing and able father who's done nothing wrong. Like that that statement, as I've shared this story, has resonated with a lot of people. Like I didn't know that's possible. I thought kids in foster care were abused and their parents were awful people. And they read that this, this story and they're like, how can they keep a kid from, from his father like this? You know, so I think it, it's very compelling. And then I think the other side of it is you look at everything he's done and you look at all, all of the resources and, and like so many people came out. We had over a dozen people, journalists, lawyers, community activists, other parents impacted by the system. And if they could do this to him with all of the resources and all the spotlight and all of the efforts that he's done, checking all the boxes. You know, so many people don't stand a chance. They don't have those resources. They don't have that support system. I think about that part a lot. Um, let me just, let me ask you, let me ask you this. So court yesterday, like you walk up to the courthouse and you shared a little bit with, with me um, last night about this, but set the, set the stage a little bit. What did, you, what did you walk up to? What did you see? What was the scene when you all arrived at, at court yesterday? Court, uh, you know, it opens up at nine, You're supposed to be there a few minutes early. So we get there at 830. When you walk in, uh, it's not a comforting environment. I mean, that, that shouldn't surprise anyone. You pass through metal detectors. But something felt off as soon as we walked into the building. Uh, we went through the metal detectors. There were four armed police officers standing right there as you get on the other side. We go up the elevator. We go to courtroom 5C. Uh, one journalist is already there, and it's just the three of us. We're just hanging out and couple minutes pass 
And then a couple more police officers show up. And then a couple more journalists show up, a couple more supporters show up. And it's about 8.50. There's maybe a dozen people supporting Garnell in the hallway. We're, we're all just sitting down. I mean, we're not, we're not doing anything. And, and a dozen police officers standing at the door. Hmm. Wow. Not, say, not saying anything, but we all know what's, what's going on. Yeah. That's the context of uh, a father who's just fighting to, to bring his son home is uh, I, I overheard one of the officers say, we just have to stay here until about a quarter after, mm. and then we can roll out. Mm. And and you could tell- So they were there they just were. for the 9 a.m. court yeah. court opening, knowing that this case was, was, was it was, the first on the docket for the day? No, it, it wasn't even. They oh. scheduled it for 2.30, you know, oh. in a courtroom that rarely ever schedules cases. Uh, they scheduled us for the for the end of the day, so- what was the what was the message then? So you guys walk up. It's eight fifty now. It's eight fifty five now. It's nine o'clock, and there's all these police officers there. Like what? What was the message? I'll use Garnell's words. I think he would wouldn't wouldn't mind. And I was now they're coordinated. Look at that. Look at all the look at all the effort they're doing just because I want my son. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not a criminal. But look at all this police they've got here just because I've got some people who want to support me. I've got journalists who want to listen to this story and see what's happening here. Uh, I think that that kind of summed it up because, you know, we were all nervous and I, and I think, you know, rightfully so, I intimidated by that. Um, you know, you've got guys with hands on their guns and you're standing there with your lawyer and a reporter not doing anything. Yeah. Just waiting to go in. The thing that I've, I've thought about a lot with with this situation with with Garnell's case is how frequent it is that this situation is playing out for a parent, you know, a parent who is is doing doing what is supposed to be done, you know, the hoops that they're supposed to jump through, and doesn't have the support and doesn't have you know journalists paying attention, doesn't have you know um, all the resources that that are on Garnell's side right now and. You know, nobody knows how to navigate this, right? Like Garnell just was doing the right thing. I have a son. I I want to meet my son. I love my son. I want to raise my son. I want my son to to be a great man, and I want to be the one that helps him as his dad become that great man. I just want to do that. So pure, and yet, you know, this coordinated effort, as he's saying, you know, all these barriers put in front of him of no, you're not good enough to raise your son. And how many parents every single day all over the country are getting that message from us, right? Not from the system necessarily, right? From us. They're getting that message from us all the time. You're not good enough. And how hard is it to continue to fight? And, and many parents don't win that fight. I don't, you know, we don't know what's going to happen here. And it's just, you know, it, that sits with me a lot. And I think it's, um, you know, this is not an isolated type of case. I think it's important to highlight that even with the fact that Garnell showed up uh, with with uh, having done all the services that, that were asked of him and then some, with all the supporters, all the support systems, and even pointing out deficits where like he's asked for services that haven't been rendered. He's he's sought out to get therapy with his with his son, uh, where where DSS has blocked it. Like this this is a guy going above and beyond. Let me let me jump in there just to kind of like 
pick up the the storyline here a little bit. So so you guys arrive at nine o'clock. Armed police officers, of course, are, are there. Garnell and his attorney do some prep before they they appear before the judge. That happened in the afternoon, it sounds like. And so just, you know, were you able to, because I know you've been along with Garnell throughout this whole process. You're in the courtroom, you know, all that. Were you allowed in the in the courtroom yesterday? Yeah. So court started at 2.30. By 2.45, they had ruled to close the courtroom and uh, everyone, including myself, was was told to leave. And the reason that they gave was that a video had circulated of Garnell's son on Instagram. And they said that the child's need for confidentiality and privacy outweighed the public's need to know what's going on. And that allowed them to close the court. Mm -hmm. So all of Garnello's supporters were were told to leave. Um, I was asked to be a witness, and I was also told to leave. Okay, supposed and, to testify uh, yesterday. Correct. Yeah. And was was his son in the courtroom yesterday? His son was not in the courtroom. Okay, but everybody was asked to leave, and they closed the court because they wanted to protect his son's privacy. But his son wasn't in the courtroom. Yeah, and they they talked about you know videos of his son, where his son says things like he doesn't want to be in foster care anymore yeah. and where he's arguing with his foster parent. Very, very powerful when you watch that. It honestly, it, it popped up on my feed. Um, I don't mm-hmm. remember where, where it was posted, but it did. And I saw it and it's painful to watch. It was gut wrenching. And, and to be quite honest too, it was, man, should this be, should this video be public? You know, is this something that I don't know? It's, this is a, this is a tough one, you know, if like, was that the right thing to do or not? I, I don't, I don't know. Um, but it yeah. was, it was pretty hard to, to see. Obviously this is a little boy that's in deep, deep pain. And I think this is the truth. This is the reality that people just don't understand, you know, that we, we think that, um, we're serving the safety and well being needs of a child. Um, and here's a child that's in deep pain because of what we're doing. And it just, you know, it just, it calls into question, you know, it really calls into to question. I'm not sure if these, these videos are still, public on social media or elsewhere. But, you know, the one that came up on my feed, my understanding is it was a cell phone footage of the foster parent filming Garnell's son in maybe his bedroom on the floor and just sort of in, you know, not a a tantrum necessarily, but he was obviously very upset and very agitated and sort of yelling at his foster parent saying, you can't tell my dad what to do. You can't tell the social workers what to do. You know, and they have this sort of like back and forth where obviously this little boy's really in a lot of pain and struggling and and fighting for himself, I think. And I, I don't want to cast judgment on the foster parent because I don't know. And I don't know what that was all about in terms of how he reacted. But it did, you know, it, it raised some some concerns, obviously, about the nature of, of that relationship, the mental health and well-being of Garnell's son. And is this, is this appropriate? Is this safe? Is, is this what should be happening? I mean, it raised a lot of different questions. Those were videos were shared with, with DSS quite a while ago, is my understanding. And then I think that it, it played out in terms of what happened yesterday. So I know that you weren't allowed in the courtroom, it was closed. You weren't able to testify. So you're sitting, I guess, you know, outside of the courthouse, maybe with, with a group waiting to see what happened. So, you know, maybe we just kind of pick up the story there of then, well, what, what was the outcome? What was the result when everybody came out of the courtroom? What did you find out had happened? Yeah, well, you know, court, court ends shortly after five. I, I hear the door open. I, I see Garnell come out. 
you know, I can tell he's been through a lot. I don't know. Has the worst thing happened? You know, what's, what's going on? And he just says, you know, like, he says, this is ridiculous. And uh, I think he was just ex- expressing a lot of frustration with the fact that, you know, my understanding of, of what went on is that he was not asked to testify. He didn't get to present everything that, that he's done. Oh. And he, he went there asking for more visitation. Uh-huh. And he left there without getting more visitation. Did he get any visitation? Uh, visitation schedule, to my knowledge, has not changed. Okay. Um, and ultimately, he wants his son back. And, and he, wants, he, he wants credit for what he's done. Obviously, we, we would hope that we could start a trial placement as soon as possible. But really what he wanted was to have unsupervised time mm-hmm. with his son. His son's been asking for that. He's been asking for that for, for months. Including like Christmas Day, right? They wanted to spend Christmas together. Yeah. And so did that happen? Like, is he getting unsupervised visits? Are they going to spend Christmas together? Were those decisions made yesterday? I, I haven't confirmed this, but I, I believe they, they decided to not change the visitation schedule at all. So he still has supervised visits. And he won't see his son. Um, according to uh, WBTV reported after the hearing, and they said that this will be the first Christmas that they will not spend together since they met. So the past two Christmases, they've had, he has had unsupervised visitation and been able to spend Christmas Day with his son. This would be the first day that he has not. And I think there, there, there are some talks of, around, is he going to see him on Christmas Eve or are they going to try to do something else? Uh, so I think we're, we're hopeful that there might be some opportunity there. But yeah, yeah. I, think, I think Christmas is, mm. is out of the picture. And, and what about, yeah, I mean, it's, and it's you know, the, the, the thing that just keeps not making sense is like, Garnell's not getting closer and his son is not getting closer to being together. Right. Like, and that just, I don't, you know, it's hard to kind of make that all make sense. Um, you know, especially with the holidays right around the corner and, but what about, you know, sort of the, the, the big ultimate issue on the table, right. Is, you know, what is the case plan goal for his son? Is it reunification? Is it adoption? Is it some sort of concurrent plan? Are they pursuing termination of parental rights? What do you know about that in terms of yesterday? Like, is this now more moving in the direction of reunification? Is termination of parental rights and adoption still on the table? What do you think happened? Yeah, well, you know, I wasn't wasn't in the room, so yeah, this is this is like a best guess, honestly. Yeah, but uh, it's it's a, it's still an open matter, right? So I, I don't believe a, a formal decision has been made. So all I know is what, what historically has happened is plan A is still reunification. Plan B is still adoption. Those are concurrent plans. I've seen some reporting that says that the, uh, there's a request that, uh, he, uh, that his son be moved to a new foster home, which I think does make sense given the, the contents of those videos. Um, so my understanding the plan is still reunification and, and we'll pick things up in the new year. Which is which is sort of what happened last time they were in court, right? Like kick the can down the road. Nobody is <clears throat> really making a decision to move in a particular direction. And it just leaves leaves the situation in limbo, leaves this little boy in limbo, leaves Garnell wondering, am I gonna be able to love my son and raise my son. It just, you know, to continue to leave this as an open question, just again, you know, trying to make sense of something that is hard to make sense of. And 
what happens next from yesterday? I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's going to be, you know, several weeks between now and the next court date. I'm not sure when the next court date will be, but hopefully soon, as soon as possible. I think, you know, a couple of real positives, I think, going in um, to, to the, you know, the next court date. Um, you know, Grinnell is, is actually the first parent in Durham County, to my understanding, that um, is receiving his own social worker through the office of the, the parent defenders. So this is a really interesting program where he'll have a social worker who, who works with his public defender. I, I heard the term uh, a, a non-legal assistant uh, officially. So someone who's going to like actually be his social worker and help him over the next few months pull everything together and, and present it in a way uh, and, and work with all the various parties to make sure that everyone's well informed of what Garnell has been doing all along. I think you're, you're seeing now what you know Garnell has felt for so long, which is he's really concerned about his son's safety. And I think now, like because there's been all this public attention on it, people are paying attention. They're asking the right questions. I think the judge is asking you know the right questions now, which is important. And Garnell presented, I think, a really strong case that wasn't really heard yesterday. And whether it's a, a few months or a few weeks, his case is just going to get stronger and stronger. Uh, I, I know this man very well over the past three years. He is not giving up. And uh, he is going to show up in that next courtroom with more conviction and with more supporters and having checked even more boxes than he had yesterday. So the case for reunification I believe will be even stronger. Yeah, coming into the next court date. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I see that too. Just you know, as as you know, somebody that's along for the ride with with you anyway. And you know, but what it, it leaves me with, and probably a lot of listeners with, is why in the world does this man have to fight so hard? Like, in in what world do we want this to be the reality? This, you know, this is a man that has has been showing up consistently more consistent than anybody else in his son's life saying, here I am. I'm his father. I love him. I want to raise him. Let us be. And we won't. And and we haven't decided yet if we will. And, you know, so while he has, has a lot of support and backing um, and as a fighter, I think he's going to win. Um, I feel that, but why does he have to fight so hard? And um, I think that's a, that's the, that's the question that, you know, anybody listening should be, asking themselves, but, you know, taking into the, to the rooms where they sit and asking these questions, you know, why do parents have to fight so hard? Why do we operate this way? And so, I don't know, Ryan, maybe, you know, we just wanted to do a kind of a quick update here because, you know, you, you shared some of this on the first episode and the story continues, unfortunately. And maybe to, to close us out, I have a couple, you know, just kind of big, but, but simple questions to ask you. Um, I'm just curious what you're learning about yourself in this process? You have to know like where you're going to stand and who you're going to stand with. It's, it's easy to follow uh, a simpler path, path of least resistance. And like, I know that I've been fighting for my former foster son and his dad and, and their desire to be together. So, you know, I think at, at the end of the day, you just think about why you're doing something and you focus on that. And it's just taught me a lot about, you know, how far would I go to support them? And, you know, there's really nothing I wouldn't do to, to make sure that they are able to, to 
grow up together. And that, all, all that being said, it makes me curious too, what you have learned about what justice is. Everything you, you just shared there about what you're learning about yourself and knowing what you stand for and who you stand with, you know, in your experience, it just, it just makes me curious because in a very real way, you are, you are in the justice system with this family and you're part of that. You know, I think I've realized for someone in my position, it's new, but for a lot of people, it's not. And that is that for Garnell, he was guilty on day one and he had to prove that he was innocent. And that is not how things should work in this country. That's not justice. So I have not yet seen justice, Matt. I have seen a lack of justice and I have seen the harms that come from not allowing justice to prevail. And I am optimistic that after a grueling three years, that justice will prevail and we will see that Garnell is an amazing father. And as people talked about yesterday, they're gonna throw the most amazing reunification party (laughs) ever. the day that they get to be together forever. And we're gonna celebrate the heck out of it because it deserves to be celebrated. And that's what we're gonna see justice actually happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to that day and um, you know, send me the invite, I'll be there. Um, you got it, I'll make sure, I'll make sure you're right there. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you want to leave the audience with? I'm sure people are feeling all kinds of things right now and and are feeling a need to be activated. I'm not sure if there's something that people can do as they listen, but is there anything you want to leave leave us with about, you know, anything we can do to support? I just I just want to say thank you to everyone who has shared the story, read the story. I, I have received an outpouring of support, uh, and not that I needed it, but it has meant a lot to to hear so many people saying that this story has moved them, that they've questioned their role in our child welfare system. I just encourage people to keep sharing the story. Obviously, more information is coming out. There aren't, there's not like a concrete ask. I can't tell you, go do X on this date and you'll fix it. But I think what really matters is that people raise their voice. If you're in North Carolina, contact your representative, share the stories that have been published by WBTV, the Assembly, Indie Week, contact leaders at DHHS, let people know about it. Because the more people who hear about this story, the more people who will realize what's actually happening here. And I think it's just so important that this happen in the open and that people see what's really going on. Yeah, I think, I think, that's, I think that's it. And what I would add, you know, from somebody that's not, you know, part of what's happening in this with this family is that this, this story, whether it's this episode, these news articles, this is something to share within your circles, particularly beyond your professional circles, with your family, with your friends, with people that don't know what's happening in our child welfare system. This is a story that is is not uncommon. And I think, as you said, Ryan, when people see that this is what's happening, you can't you can't unsee it and it's it's not right. And I think, you know, this is the counter narrative, you know, that, that we want we want to put out there. And so I think as as you're listening to this, you know, share this with with your friends and family and, and help them understand you know, what's, what's happening to families all over the country. So Ryan, um, you know, thanks for jumping on. I know yesterday was a heavy day. Today's probably a heavy day. Um, you know, uh, send Garnell our love and his son, our love, and, you know, maybe we'll 
do this again when we're when we have something uh, something new to talk about. So thank you. Good news is coming, Matt. Thank you for, for sharing this story and, and highlighting this. Absolutely. So before we wrap up this episode, of course, I just want to say thank you to Ryan for coming back on, for sharing an update. And if you want to join the conversation, if you want to join the community, you are welcome. You're invited. Uh, we do a Monday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, Proximity Podcast Club. All you have to do is go to the show notes for the podcast. You'll see my LinkedIn page there. Just hop on LinkedIn, send me a message. I'll send you an email and you'll get the invite to the Monday morning calls. And we'd love to have you. So before we wrap up, special thanks, of course, to the production team, Michael Tex Osborne at 14th Street Studios. Evan Scherer for production support, and Christian Heigis for original music. Thanks for joining, and we'll see you next time.